0: The scripture lesson for this message comes from 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 1-13. through 13. Now, when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel the company of prophets who were in bethel came out to elisha and said to him do you know that today the lord will take your master away from you and he said yes i know keep silent elijah said to him elisha stay here for the lord has sent me to jericho but he said as the lord lives and as you yourself live i will not leave you so they came to jericho The company of prophets who were at Jericho drew near to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take your master away from you? He said, Yes, I know. Be silent. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Fifty men of the company of prophets also went and stood at some distance from them, as they both were standing by the Jordan. Then Elijah took his mantle, and rolled it up, and struck the water. The water was parted to the one side and to the other, until the two of them crossed on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me what I may do for you before I am taken from you. Elisha said, Please let me inherit a double share of your spirit. He responded, "'You have asked a hard thing, yet if you see me as I am being taken from you, it will be granted you. If not, it will not.'" As they continued walking and talking, a chariot of fire and horses of fire separated them, to the two of them, and Elijah ascended in a whirlwind into heaven. Elisha kept watching and crying out, "'Father, Father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen!' But when he could no longer see him, he grasped his own clothes and tore them into two pieces. He picked up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Holy and gracious God, may the words of my mouth, (laughs) excuse me, and the meditations of each one of our hearts be holy and pleasing to you. That as we hear your word for us, as we dive into this text, our eyes would be opened, that we would be willing to pick up the mantle, to go into the world, to lead in your spirit. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. So, excuse me, in the liturgical life of the church, this Sunday is what is known as Transfiguration Sunday. So very big word. Um, And what it is often points us towards is, is kind of this idea of, of a bridge Sunday, right? We're, we're trying, we're about to move from one season of the church to another season, and really we're moving from this season where not a lot is happening, right? We're in this, it, in fact, it's, it's called ordinary time, it's the season after Epiphany, it's not even the season of Epiphany, it's just after, and we're about to move into this season of Lent, but before we get there, we have today. Which almost funct- which functions as this bridge, getting us from this ordinary time to this time of preparation. And the story that we often hear and that many of us are probably familiar with for Transfiguration Sunday is the story of the Transfiguration. That's why we call it Transfiguration Sunday. And many of you might be familiar with it, right? Jesus, uh, we talked about it in our Sunday school class this morning. Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up to the top of a hill. They're up there. Jesus uh, turns just white that uh, it says no bleach in the world could do. And I'm I'm thinking to myself, I need that bleach recipe. And then they're awed and inspired and then Jesus comes down and says, you know, don't tell anybody about this until after I've died and arisen. But you see, that's not the reading that we have this morning this morning we have the story of Elijah and Elisha and you might be wondering well what's the connection between these two and as we dive into it we begin to see that as we talk about transfiguration as this time in Jesus' ministry where he almost ceases his his ministry in Galilee and his ministry becomes one of uh, bringing himself to Jerusalem yes he still performs acts of ministry he is still preaching he is still teaching he is still healing people but he has now worked and fixed himself towards jerusalem and so just as we are about to enter this season we too confront this idea of what it looks like for us to turn from this time of celebration of the christ child to this time of ministry that directs us into who Christ is. And so when we look at this story of Elijah and Elisha, we see within it what it means for us to receive God's voice as something that leads us into the future, a future in which Christ is with all of us. We miss the present Christ, and yet Christ still always is with us in the Holy Spirit. This is meant to be a marker of Christ's embodiment of God, a fulfillment of the law and the prophets. And it bookends this season right, with, with the baptism of Christ and the transfiguration. But as we come here and as we approach this Sunday and as we begin to move into Lent, we're also being asked to do something. Because we do not believe in a passive faith that allows us to just sit back and do nothing. We believe in an active faith where we are constantly being called to do great, wonderful, amazing things in the name of God. And so this Transfiguration Sunday, I don't want to look at that story, but I want to hold on to what we are about to take up to the bridge that we are about to cross. We see this manner in 2 Kings as we try and decipher what is God's voice for us in this text, right? That's where we've been this whole season. We've been exploring God's voice after Epiphany, after this great and this wonderful calling to Jesus in his baptism, this affirmation. We've gone through the acts of what it means to listen, to discern, to, to try and understand God's word. Last week, we came to that, that it, it was our the penultimate Sunday of being right here in the present in what God's God is calling us to do as we unpack the story of the Israelites in exile and this week now we look towards a future we look towards the work that God will do in and through each and every one of us and we come to this place where we look forward and we're being asked to take up the mantle of God as we go into the world Right? We are constantly in the church in this, this cyclical cycle of ministry. Right? We can never stop ministry. or It's not that we can't. We could. But we never stop ministry. Right? Even when we go through these seasons, even, like, example, even though we are in the midst of this season of preparation that is Lent, we are doing so many things here as a church that it's almost mind-boggling sometimes, right? We've got the Easter Egg Factory, we've got Salvation Army feeding that's going to happen. We have ministry meetings, we have administrative meetings. We we ha- like ministry doesn't stop. And so we're always in this cycle of ministry, and so thereby we are always thinking, we, or we should always be thinking ahead, what is the next thing that we are doing, right? There's time that we live in the present, and there's time in which we reflect on the past, but it's always in an understanding of where are we going? What is God calling us towards? And so we're always looking at how we are empowering one another in this ministry, Because there are people, ministry of the church will not happen without the people. And so, as we are always in this cycle of of doing ministry, of reflecting, like, right, we, we reflect, we do the ministry, and then we reflect on what we did and didn't do, what was good, what can be fixed, so that we can learn from it to do it, maybe do it again in the future, or say, hey, no, we don't need to do that again. And all this time looking for the people of the church to step up, to be part of that body. And so if we look at why the transfiguration, why this story, why this Sunday becomes such a hinge point in our Christian year, it is because this is the Sunday where we look at what it means to take up that opportunity, to be empowered as people of faith, as people of the church to go and to do that ministry. Because when we look at the story of Christ, Christ begins to point himself to Jerusalem, knowing that at some point in time, the disciples are going to have to take over. And so what do we have? We have this story here in 2 Kings, this story of Elijah and Elisha, of the passing of the leadership of the prophetic witness of Israel. And the question falls on us as we look at this lesson, as we think about the lessons that Christ gave us. How is the mantle being passed within our church? Who is picking it up? Are we strong enough even to pick it up? Are we strong enough to leave it for others? What are we doing here in our ministry and in our life? Right, and and Elisha, I mean, Elisha is all of us, right? Right. Elisha comes into this passage with a, a sense of fear, with a sense of concern about what is going to happen. We see it as he, he calls the people, right? We, we see those three times where, where they're like, hey, you know that Elisha is like on his way out, right? You know, like God told him that he's going to like go up in a whirlwind with chariots of fire. And Elisha's like, yeah, yeah, I know. Don't say anything. I'm trying to hold on to this as long as I can, friends. And so we see that God's voice plays itself out in this back and forth scenario between Elijah and Elisha. Because God's voice is present in the manner in which Elijah helps to prepare Elisha for the ministry that he is about to undertake. For this prophetic witness of what he is about to do. And then the voice of God is played out in Elisha when we continue to read into Second Kings about all the great and wonderful ministry that Elisha will do. Elijah is steadfast in following God's word. His ministry begins to come to an end, right? If you want to read more about Elijah's ministry, head on over to 1 Kings uh, chapter 17 through 19. You read about all these things. I mean, Elijah is this great prophet standing up for what is good, destroying the Baals in Israel and trying to overthrow. You know, this is when, you know, we start to get the word Jezebel coming in, right? This She was a queen, and Elijah is running from her because he has destroyed. I mean, Elijah is this great prophet in Israel's history. There's a reason that he is one of two. People before Christ who do not have a death, they have a recorded ascension into heaven. And so, Elijah is the steadfast prophet of God, but he knows that his prophecy is coming to an end, and he's done this work. We meet Elisha, uh, we meet Elisha at the end of first and at the end of first Kings and in second Kings, and we uh, are, in, are introduced to him, and then Elisha goes on this journey. We see, so he set out from there, found Elisha. This is 1 Kings 19, 19. And there were 12 yoke of oxen ahead of him, and he was with the 12. Elijah passed by him, this is Elijah passed by Elisha, and threw his mantle on him. Drawing comparisons to Elisha picking up the mantle in verse 13. And right, we see this fear because Elisha, Knows he is in line to lead, but he is so afraid of what leading might look like. He is so afraid of what it might mean for him to pick up that mantle that Elijah has dropped, figuratively and literally. And so he's trying to hold on to his rabbi, his teacher, as long as he can. until they finally crossed the Jordan. And we read, this is uh, 2 Kings 9, uh, 2, 9, and 10 right here. When they crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me what I may do for you before I am taken up, right? I think that Elijah can very much fear, feel the fear that Elisha has in taking over, right? It's like Elisha is that kid, he just doesn't want to leave the side of his parent. And finally, Elijah looks at him, knowing that they've crossed the Jordan and this is almost the end. And Elijah looks at him, he's like, what can I do to make you feel comfortable about what is about to happen? And Elisha, please let me inherit a double share of your spirit. And there's a lot of biblical interpreters that try and figure out what that double share means. Does Elijah want to be twice the prophet that Elijah was. Does does he want a double share of everything that Elijah received? And yet it's not even like it matters (laughs) because Elijah's response is like you've asked for a hard thing. Like I I cannot guarantee it. But you know what? It's almost as if God is trying to comfort Elisha in what is going to happen. If you see me as I am being taken from you, it will be granted. If not, I will not. What is the expression of faith that Elisha is offering? I mean, sorry, that Elijah is offering in that moment as he is about to ascend to the heavens. And it's almost as if he's offering and saying, it is going to be okay. You're going to be great. You're going to do wonderful things, but the double share, it becomes about listening to God. Right? Elisha has heard God's voice. Elisha has heard God speak. Elisha has heard his his rabbi, his teacher, the, 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 the man that he looked up to, and he's heard God's voice. And now Elijah is saying, trust. Trust what you have heard. Trust where you are being led and go and do. And then we get the chariots of fire. We get the whirlwind. In verse 13, Elijah is gone. Elisha has cried, has wept, has ripped his clothes in half. And what does it say to us? He picked up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood at the bank of the Jordan. And yeah, Bob, I did want to stop there. <laughs> and if we continued on, we would have seen the work that Elisha did. But the fact that Elisha picks up that mantle is the acceptance of the work that God is calling him to do. The end of a ministry, the beginning of a new one, and yet the ministry never stops. The prophetic witness in Israel continues on as if there had been no interruption. For each of us, ministry begins and ends. We see endings, beginnings. We play roles in these endings and beginnings. Right? We have changes in leadership here. We, we have changes in lay leadership. You have changes in clergy. You know, things end, things begin, and yet ministry continues on. And it is always those who are leading, who are picking up the mantle, who are doing the work. The mantle becomes a symbol of the ministry that is to be done. It becomes an opportunity for us to see what it is like to pick up this leader role, this prophetic, this witnessing spirit of Christ in our lives, right? We too are approaching. We have come across the banks of the River Jordan, and we have now come up to this hill, and we have seen Christ transform, and we are now in this learn mode, right? We Our attention has been drawn to Christ, and Christ is putting this mantle in front of us, knowing that one day, knowing that in the near future, Christ will be killed, Christ will die, and Christ will be resurrected, and then it will be our turn to pick up that mantle and to go and to lead into the future. The voice of God becomes the voice of those who have come before us, who have done this work, who have helped us to be where we are, whether they are here in person or whether they have gone on to that great cloud of witnesses, they are the ones who are impacting us, who have called us. They are the ones who continue to speak to us, to guide us. We have learned from their lessons, from their successes, from their failures, from all that they have done, and we are here in our time asking God, where are we going? And God says, you know what I need you to do? I need you to pick up that mantle I need you to pick up everything that has happened I need you to take that up look forward and continue to be led by the ministry that I'm calling you to do right recently at our Virginia annual conferences when they do the service of retirement they take two uh, re- two people who are retiring and they have them take their stoles. So they have an elder, uh, obviously in our church we have the order of the elder, that is your local pastors, that is uh, me, and then you have uh, deacons in our church who uh, respond to this role of the church in the world. They are the extension of the church. They are looking beyond the church in order to do ministry. Sometimes they're in the local church, but they're still looking beyond it. And so one elder and one uh, deacon take their stoles and they hand it uh, and, and put it upon one of the people who is about to be ordained the next night to pass this mantle along right and and to be clear like this is not a this is not an age thing this is not me saying that that the people in this church that y'all need to hand off to the younger generation because even when you hand off that mantle that you might have had for a little while there's another one to pick up because let me tell you you are not allowed to retire in the Methodist church I don't know whether, I mean, so I was talking, I was talking to someone beforehand there asked me about Pastor Keith. Pastor Keith is helping out at Chesapeake Regional. He is helping with Pastoral Care. I mean, you know, there is always ministry to do. As long as we have breath, there is ministry to do. And so we think about what it looks like to both pass and receive mantles in our lives. But it is up to us to know when do I pass? When do I receive? And many of us have done that. Mantles have been passed around this church since it was planted. There's always a mantle to be picked up. There's always more ministry to be doing. And honestly, we cannot sit here and complain about a a lack of leadership, a lack of, of, of visioning from the front if we're not willing to take a step and to help to do that work. And yes, many of us have gifts and graces in certain areas of ministry. But we are a community together. And in a way, we lead together. We have the opportunity to be both Elijah and Elisha. We have to recognize the roles that we are playing and I think more so, if there, is a, if there is a point that I want to get out in this sermon, it is that we need a lot more Elishas in this church. We need people to pick up those mantles. To become that next leader, the next person who will be teaching, who will be helping to raise. Because friends, it doesn't stop with Elisha. I mean, I'm not a biblical scholar, so I can't name all of the prophets. But there are many more to come. And even when we see the disciples... As we move into this Lent, we, we move into a time frame where mentally, emotionally, spiritually, we are entering the last weeks where we think, I don't, I, like, I don't know how we want to interpret this, we, we think that we still have a physical Savior, right? You know, we, we had, Jesus was born, um, and we celebrated that on Christmas, and, and so we, we feel like we have this tangible Lord, this tangible Savior, and yet we're about to go into this season where we... Like the disciples are marching towards this impending death of Jesus, hoping and praying that the resurrection is a real thing. Now, obviously, we come at it with the knowledge that Scripture is 2,000 years old and the story has already been written. We move beyond Christ's death. We are left in the presence of the Spirit to continue the work that Christ started. And this is now work that has gone through so many generations We are the church of today, and we are the church looking towards what God has planned for us tomorrow. We are the Elishas. We are the ones who need to pick up that mantle to lead. We cannot be timid about it. We must boldly like Elijah pick up that mantle. We gotta, we gotta roll it up, because right there in verse 14, like I told the kids, you know, Elijah rolls up that mantle, strikes the Jordan, and just as his just as his teacher and rabbi had parted the Jordan for him to, for them to come on the on the first side for Elijah to be taken up, so too Elijah's gotta trust his faith in God and where God has led him in order to get back across the Jordan. There are no backseat Christians. We cannot just stand idly by and hope that the church will find a way to care for not only itself, but to care for other people, people who aren't even a part of the community. We cannot just sit back and magically hope for God's kingdom to just magically appear. There's work that we have to do. There's things that we are being called towards. And I know we grow weary in certain places and there are spaces and times in there for Sabbath and for rest and we need to make sure that we are including those. And that's part of this whole cyclical nature of ministry that not only are we picking up the mantle but we are providing opportunities for others to do it as well. Leading and teaching to ensure that the future of the church is as bright as it always has been to ensure that there are people here who can continue to lead into the future because friends, in 15 and 20 years, this congregation is gonna look so different it's not even gonna be recognizable. We're gonna have the the steadfast warriors who have always been here. My hope is we'll also have a lot of new people, new generations, new folks. It's your leadership right here, right now. It's your teaching right here, right now. It's the way that we gather together as a community and lead as a church that carries us into that future so that we know in the deepest depths of our soul that on the day we leave this earth, that not only have we left God's kingdom, but that we have left this small little example of God's kingdom in great hands. So grab that mantle live into God's calling. Amen.